Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hello, and welcome to What to Say When Things Get Tough, a podcast dedicated to helping you communicate more effectively in difficult situations, both personal and professional. I'm your host, Leonard S. Greenberger. I think I've mentioned in the past that I belong to a number of Facebook groups where podcast hosts and guests can find one another. Every now and then, I'll post a request for guests who can talk about communicating in difficult situations. And last month, I heard back from a woman named Deborah Driggs. And I'm not going to lie. I responded to her because in doing a little research on her background and experience, I learned that as a young woman, she appeared as a Playboy centerfold. I wasn't even sure if our conversation was going to result in an interview that I could use and would be of interest to my podcast listeners. I wasn't going to miss an opportunity to speak to a former Playmate. Well, as it turns out, you're not going to hear anything about that part of her life, because during our conversation, I discovered a woman whose life experience has made her a real expert in the art of communicating in difficult situations, so much so that I decided to split our conversation into a two-part episode. In this first part, we focus on Deborah's experience as both a child and parent of divorce, and the lessons she's learned about the vital role that communication plays in helping everyone involved the parents themselves, their children, even family and friends, grieve the loss of a relationship that was once at the center of their lives. We discuss the mistakes that she made and how she wishes she had done things differently, and she shares advice for anyone contemplating or in the process of divorce that I think is simply priceless. In the next part, we'll talk about her career and how she has reinvented herself over and over again on her way to success in the insurance field. I hope you enjoy this first part of our conversation and that you'll tune in again in two weeks for part two. Our guest today is Deborah Driggs. I really do appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, in preparing uh, to talk to you today, Deborah. Uh, it struck me as you that you are someone who has been very successful at reinventing yourself. You've been involved in a number of different uh, businesses and industries, and really also successful at facing you know challenges that life throws at all of us and achieving success in many different ways. So I thought I'm most interested, of course, in talking about the role that communication has played in in all aspects of your life. And I thought we would go through your biography, if you will, uh, sort of chronologically. And I like to start with all of my guests by asking them to share their origin story. Where are you from? Where are your parents and your ancestors from? And tell us a little bit about, about that. Sure. I was born in Oakland on the naval base. Uh, I think it was Treasure Island, Oakland. Uh, my father was in the Marine Corps, and he was in his fourth, fourth year in the Marines. He is from Moses Lake, Washington. And so the Driggs family really started probably in Idaho, like Driggs, Idaho. 
and a lot of drigs have migrated to Utah and to Washington. So it's funny because later in life, you know, people have come up to me and said, oh, I'm, we're kind of related because somehow, because the Driggs family is not very big. So, so he's from Moses Lake, Washington. That's where he grew up. His father was a very famous farmer in Moses Lake and his father's mother was, she raised quarter horses, racehorses. So that was his family. And then my mother was born in London. So my mother's British and my mother's father is from the Basque country in Spain. His family ended up in Chihuahua, Mexico and got chased out by Pancho Villa. And then they ended up in Colorado. He joined the Air Army Air Corps and was in World War II and ended up in London, married my mother's mother. She was a war bride and my mother was born in England. So a lot of history on my mother's side. And then on my dad's side, it's kind of the United States history, you know, with the Driggs family in Idaho, Driggs, Idaho. I was born in Oakland and I was raised, we moved from Oakland to Torrance, California, and I was raised in Southern California. And I've always considered myself kind of a mutt, you know, even though I'm born in the United States and I'm born in California, I have a lot of ancestry you know, outside of the U.S. As a matter of fact, when I did my DNA, as everybody's done, the Ancestry.com, when I did it, it came back that I was mostly French. And I thought, that's so wild, you know, because I would have thought Spanish or, you know, kind of the British, but it came back mostly French. And then I thought about it, the Driggs, a lot of them also were French Canadian. So Mm -hmm. there was a mix there with French Canadian. And so, really interesting to find that stuff out later in life. But yeah, so I grew up in the South Bay area, mainly in Torrance, Redondo Beach. And then I went to high school in an area called Hawthorne. And in my senior year of high school, I moved to Orange County and went to college in Mission Viejo, a junior college there. And then throughout my life, I've had this where I moved quite a bit. So I lived in Japan, I've lived in Dallas, I've lived in Florida, I've lived in New York, but I've always ended up back in LA. LA has kind of always been the home base. I've read that you are a child of divorce and uh, you divorced yourself, which I want to ask about later on, but I wanted to focus on- No accident there, right? <laughs> well, I wanted history, to focus... history repeats itself, you know? Although I'm twice divorced and my parents are going to celebrate their 57, 58th anniversary. This Isn't that amazing? It really is. So uh, amazing. When my first marriage broke up, I have two kids and, and they were a product of that marriage. They're now older, 26 and 22. I used a lot of the skills and techniques that I had acquired in, in working in the communications field, particularly in trying to communicate with angry, worried, suspicious audiences. I put those to use in in communicating with the kids about the divorce. And uh, of course I made a lot of mistakes, but I think at least in terms of discussing it with them at the the beginning and explaining why it was happening, it did, it did have some, it it helped. And I'm curious to know, you know, from your point of view, what role did, did communication play in in your in, in looking at divorce from your perspective, both as a child of divorce and then also as a, a parent um, who 
had to help guide her children through. Yeah. So lots of mistakes were made regarding my parents' divorce. And then of course, because those mistakes were made, I made probably the same or worse when I got divorced and communication is huge. And so when my parents got divorced, nothing was talked about. It was just, I came home one day or we came home, my mom and my sister and I, and my dad was packed and he moved out and my sister and I were like, well, where's, where's our dad. And so, you know, it was just, it all happened so fast. And I remember crying and I remember being really upset and feeling very abandoned, you know, feeling very empty, like something was just completely destroyed in my life. And then I was, I was 13, going to be 14 years old. I was in eighth grade and I was also figure skating at the time. And so I continued to skate, but I lost momentum there because I was so sunk from what was happening at home that I couldn't focus on skating anymore. So it was like, I I went through two deaths, the death of my parents' marriage and the death of my ice skating. It was just, you know, what was, what was taught, I think, to, to me as a child was just, okay, this happened, move on, you know? (laughs) Okay. That kind of stuff happened. So move on and get over it. And we don't have time to cry over spilt milk type of, communication that went on for me as a kid. And so talking about feelings and all of that really didn't exist for me. Now, when I got divorced, I think it was really tough because my kids say this to this day, they, they never saw, I can think back and go, yeah, it makes sense that my parents got divorced, but my kids would say to me, God, we never, they couldn't understand it because they never really saw my ex and I really fight They knew because we had separated once before. And so, but they didn't, they didn't have any reason really for us getting a divorce. You know how some kids can go, oh yeah, I can see why they got divorced. My kids couldn't really see that. And even our friends, you know, our our friends were really surprised by it. I I should mention just for background, for the sake of our audience, that your, your ex-husband is Mitch Gaylord, who was a member of the USA's 1984 gold-winning gymnastics team. Yeah, he was a phenomenal gymnast and was the world champion going into those Olympics. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, we have three kids. When we divorced, they were in first, third, and fourth grade. So I I have three children, and I had them in three years. I have, like, Irish triplets or whatever they call that. (laughs) Yeah. So I I had a baby every year, you know, I was like, Oh my God. So they were in first, third and fourth grade. They were young, not easy. And I, you know, I did seek out help with therapy and communication and stuff, but I was terrible at filtering stuff. And, you know, when I look back, I would throw my ex under the bus, you know, it just like, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was really just not good. And by the way, and, and vice versa, you know, my kids would come and tell me things that were being said. And so we just did not create this safe space, you know, that you should create, you know, and, you know, I learned all that through mistake, error and trial. Like, and now we, I have a really good relationship with my kids and we, we talk about it now. And I, you know, I admit to them, like we handled things so poorly and not just me, but it, pretty much everybody, you know, it wasn't just me or my ex, it was 
family members and friends and everybody in my kid's life. They were getting such mixed messages from everybody. And so, yeah, the communication is super, super key because it really does build this safe foundation. And so it's super important. And I, because I've made so many mistakes in that area, it's so now I get it. I wish I would have paused more. I wish I would have slept on things more. I wish I would have just not taken things so personally. You know, all these little things that we know, but when you're in those moments of frustration or you're tired and you're busy as a mom and, you know, and everything to me just kept getting more and more overwhelming. And not that any of that is an excuse, but when you're in those overwhelming moments, especially when you're going through divorce and trying to figure out now what life is going to look like, kids really do take the brunt of that because they're seeing adults just kind of flailing. And then they feel like their foundation is being totally disrupted and messed with. And it's such a bad feeling for everybody involved. I, I learned a lot too you know, through my divorce. I also, although, like I said, I think I, in just telling the kids it was going to happen, uh, they were seven and 11. So roughly around the same age as your kids were. Yep. Um, I, I think I, I did a good job of, of communicating that. But uh, after that, it was just a series of uh, mistakes and, and, and regrets. One of which on, on my side was not just communicating with my kids and keeping those lines open and, and, and looking for ways to help them work through what they were working through. And the communication between me and my ex was for many years was just terrible for all of the reasons that everybody understands the resentment and anger and betrayal and so forth. And to me, I think I regret that even more than not doing as good a job as I might have with the kids, because I think kids look to the parents, even though you're separated, divorced. And if it's a civil relationship, if there's communication going on between the parents, I think that goes a long way towards helping kids to adjust. Yeah. People always say, you know, you got to let the kids know it's not their fault. That was like, everybody kept saying that. And I'm like, you know, even as much as you say that the kids still take that on. Even if they know it's not true, they take it on because there's somewhere, you know, it's trauma for them. And I know even for me, I know as an adult that it was not my fault that my parents got a divorce, but it's still trauma. And I'm still part of that scenario. You know, I'm still part of that. You know, we were a unit and somebody left the unit and then this unit goes over here. And no matter what you feel like in some way, you cause the unit to break up. And that to me is the, the most harmful is just feeling the guilt of kids have to take on sometimes taking sides, even though, even if there is nothing to take a side over, that's they, they're feeling this push, pull, push, pull. Okay. We're going to be with this person for the summer. We're going to be with this, you know, it's, it becomes like a total disruption, no matter what, no matter, even I know great divorces and great scenarios, and it still has issues and, you know, divorce is like a death. It really is. There's so much grieving involved. And I don't really think people really understand. You know, I didn't, I had no clue that that's what it was going to feel like to me. It really did. It felt like a death, but yet it's still alive. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're grieving, but it's still, it's in your face every day. The emails come in, the calls, the 
the this, the that, that one of them, somebody gets remarried. There's another, it's so much work. Yeah. Anybody listening that, that is thinking about getting a divorce or is going to go through a divorce, I would suggest really immersing yourself into learning everything you possibly can. I wish I would have done this, you know, to really, even for yourself, because you don't realize it. I didn't know that I was going to go through. So, I mean, my divorce brought me to my knees, really. It just was so devastating. And it doesn't matter. You know, this is what I realized. It doesn't matter who wants the divorce. The actual divorce is so sad. You know, when you've spent that many years with somebody and you do have kids, it's, it's so, it's a, such a grieving process. Yeah, I think you're right. I didn't realize that either. It's, it, as you said, like death, there's a grieving process you have to go yeah. through. The difference because, as you said, the, everyone involved is still there, just uh, in, a, in a new normal. Yeah. And I, I went through it for, for a while. I mean, I was grieving for, oh my God, at least two, three years. You know, I mean, I, cause I would think about it and then I'd just be like, oh my God, that all the feelings would come back and I'd be like, oh God, here we go again. You know? And, and so if I'm feeling that way, you can only imagine how the kids are feeling. It's, it's, it's really di- difficult. And I, it's probably one of the reasons why I did not remarry or get in or, or bring anybody into our unit because there was so much going on in, in my kids' lives that I thought I can't bring more chaos, <laughs> you know, <laughs> even if it's good chaos, you know, it's like, I just didn't want to add anybody else to the scenario because it's so much. I want to move on, but before I do, I uh, let me just ask you once more, sort of a different way, you know, looking back, what any additional advice you'd have for parents in this situation, maybe particularly from a communications standpoint. You can't take back words, unfortunately. And so the biggest piece of advice I would say is that when you're in doubt and you're seeing red and you're angry, because these are the things that divorce brings up, it always brings the worst out of everybody. So when you're in doubt, do nothing. When in doubt, do nothing. When you feel like you want to just tear the other person apart, don't do it. Just write it, (laughs) write the letter before you say it, write it and then read it back to yourself. And if it sounds like something you want to say to somebody, then say it. But I guarantee you, when you read it back to yourself, you're going to go, Oh God, I can't say that. Write it first. Don't let these things come out because I would say things that I just totally wanted to take back. And I regretted every time, every time I just like impulsively saying things that were just not necessary. And, and really did, I really honestly didn't mean those words, but you can't take them back when you're in that moment of just total anger, get out a a yellow pad or a piece of paper and write it all down, read it before you say it. And try to always give yourself 24 hours, sleep on it, because I guarantee in the morning, things are going to look a lot different. So I, if I had done these things when I was going through my really difficult time and, and difficult time in my divorce, and things would have looked a lot different to me, but I didn't. I was impulsive and I wanted to like make my point every time and it's not necessary. So the good news is... And what I'm so grateful for, and you have to find the, what you're grateful for in every horrible situation or bad situation or not so good situation. 
So for me, what I'm grateful for is that I can use the mistakes that I made in, in my divorce and in all of that today, because life is going to happen no matter what it keeps continually happening. And those things still come up, you know? And so now when those things come up and I feel that feeling and I know the feeling now, got it. I know the feeling here it comes. I go, okay, write it down. That's a, uh... That, that, I think that's excellent advice. I, I think it was Abraham Lincoln who was famous. I don't know if that's the right phrase. was famous for it. when he was angry, he would write. Of course, in those days, communicating was mostly, if you weren't in person, it was through letters. So you had to write it down. Yeah. But he would always, whatever he wrote when he was angry, went into a drawer and at least overnight. And he would um, look at it again when his emotions weren't quite so raw and decide, should I send this? Should I alter it? Should I just let it lie? The and that's... That is the hardest. And I know people are saying, oh, that sounds easy. But when you're in the moment and the whole thing is coming up, that dark, yucky red feeling is coming up and you're like, I'll show this person, I'll do this. The resentments come up, the anger, all those low spiraling energy feelings. It's going to happen. It's life. The hardest thing to do is to sit in those feelings and just write. And by, by the way, I had an experience with this, gosh, two months ago, this just happened where I immediately wanted to fix something and share my point of view. Nobody cares. And I, and thank God I was able to immediately, now I'm in a place where I immediately pull back and I go, Deb, you're wrong. You're completely wrong in this situation. It's none of your business. You don't need to tell this person what they're doing, who cares what they're doing? All I can do is what I'm doing and my side of the story. You know what I mean? And so it's the same thing with divorce and um, any, any type of, any type of difficult situation is just to stay on your, in your lane. And, and it's the hardest thing to do is like you take, and the, this is now interesting to me because if you take in the information, how bad it may seem, and instead of judging it, you get curious, get super, super curious. And that's why I say, if you write it down, more will be revealed when you're writing. So here's a great thing. So I was really frustrated about something a couple of weeks ago. And one of my girlfriends suggested to me, she goes, write a letter to somebody asking for advice. So one of your mentors with this problem. And I went, okay. And then she goes, and then you write the letter back to yourself as if you were the mentor. So I, so let's say that my mentor is John. I go, dear John, here's the problem I'm dealing with. And I give all the reasons why I think I'm right in the problem, whatever the problem is. And then he writes back to me, dear Deborah. And then you write back to yourself as if you're the mentor, what you should do. Oh my God. Is it a great tool sort of like because therapist well guess what what i wrote back to myself was like i gave myself the answers because we all have it inside of us right we all have inside our intuition is so strong and so accurate most of the time so we really do have all the answers we just choose <laughs> you know because then we can justify our anger but if we write it Boom, boom, boom. And then we write back to ourselves here, dear Deb, let me explain this to you. Yeah. Here's what you should do. 
sort of providing an like a therapist, a good therapist does, an objective sort of third party. Well, I can save you a lot of money. Yeah. Because yeah. guess what? It kind of worked because I looked at it and I went, oh yeah, I guess I'm I guess I'm off on this situation a little bit. And I told myself. And so it's kind of cool, you know, there's so many tools like that that you can use. And then, you know, there's so many, you know, if you just stay in the moment. As always, thank you to Jim Cirillo for our original music. You can find Jim at jimmyamgroup.com. Thank you to my daughter, Rachel Greenberger, for our original podcast art. You can send questions to WTSWTGT at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at hashtag WTSWTGT. And please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And until next time, always be positive.